Well, I want to remind you where we started last week in this new series we're calling Essentials. And so we've had this um, conversation in the last several months in our country about what is really essential. You know, are doctors essential? Police officers essential? Uh, school teachers essential? You know, who's, what's essential to have open and what's not essential? And it's kind of caused us to rethink a lot of our life. Countries have asked this question, state governments, churches, schools. We as individuals ask this question, what is absolutely essential? It's like to me, the, somebody has grabbed the entire world and shaken it like a snow globe. <laughs> you know what happens when you, snake a, uh, when you snake a show globe. When you shake a snow globe, say that really fast. When you shake a snow globe, what happens is, is all the little snowflakes just float in the air for a little while. You set it on your desk, and in a few minutes, everything settles back down. I think we've been shaken, and we're in the phase where a lot of the particles of our lives are floating through the air. They haven't settled back down yet. So what I want to say to you in this series is, before they settle back down, let's ask the question as people, what is essential? What must we absolutely have in our lives, and maybe what is optional? So I think one of the things that you gain in a time of crisis is you ask yourself harder questions than you asked before. We never had to ask questions like we're having to ask now as a society. You know, we can't open everything, so what, what are we going to open and not open? We've never ha had to ask those questions, so we come to different conclusions. That's happening in our lives individually too. So let me ask you some questions this morning that maybe have been floating in there. Maybe you've entertained some of these already. Have you gotten sucked into over-focusing on the non-essentials in your life? When you look back at your life before March, can you see any non-essentials that you were focusing on in your life? And this shaking has kind of caused you to rethink some things. Have you spent more time complaining about the non-essentials that are gone than offering gratitude for the essentials who, that are here? Have you spent more time reading the Bible, praying, worshiping, talking about your faith, talking with other people about your Christian life and growth than you spend on social media and fighting politics and in the culture war? What's essential? That's the question we're asking this morning. The Bible tells us we're in the world, but we're not of it. So as the snowflakes are floating through the air before they hit the ground, Let's find out what's essential. Philippians 4.19 says this, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glory in Christ Jesus. I wish I could rewrite that verse and make it say, And my God will supply all your wants. Because there's some things I want that I don't get. Anybody else? But it doesn't say that. It says, My God shall supply all of your needs. Let's say it a different way. My God shall supply everything that is essential. Everything that is essential 
Philippians says God's going to give you. So we spend so much time pursuing things that are non-essential. Now, here's what I want you to know. Most of the time, non-essentials aren't bad. A lot of times, they're good things. But when good things become the main thing, they become bad things. And I don't know a better picture of our country and our culture than a nation that was pursuing good things and made them the main things, therefore they became bad things because they weren't essential. They were, they were luxuries or conveniences or optional or whatever or personal dreams. Last week we said the first thing that is essential is the grace of God. Today what I want to say is the other, one of the other things is a five-part series. We've got five things. I'll give you the second one today. The second thing that is essential is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is essential. Psalm 51:11, King David wrote it like this. He said, Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Now look, you got to understand the context of this passage. King David had sinned. He had messed up bad. And when he knew he had to have a reckoning with God, what he didn't say is, don't take the palace from me. He didn't say, don't take the luxuries from me. He didn't say, don't take the riches from me. Don't take the wealth. Don't take the influence. Don't take the title. He said, God, whatever you take, take whatever you want to take. But please don't take your spirit from me. Do you have that? Is that desire in you? Have you become so desirous before the flakes hit the ground? Have you become so desirous with the conveniences and the comforts of a modern society and the way things were and you got things the way that you liked them and they were going the way you wanted them to go? And is that more important to you than the Holy Spirit? Would you, would, you, would you trade one of those for the other one is the question I'm asking you this morning. So this morning what I want to do is I want to I also show you in uh, Moses' life, he had the same thought spoken a different way. Exodus 33, 15, Moses said, If your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from here. In other words, let us stay here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth other than the presence of God? The, the presence of the Holy Spirit. See, here's what, they, here's what Moses was saying. Moses was saying, I would rather live in the desert with God than in the promised land without him. I'd rather live in poverty with God than in the palace without him. So the question I have for you today is, are you more concerned with where you're going, or are you more concerned with who you're with? Sometimes they're not the same thing. So this morning what I want to do, rather than telling you here's four ways to live like the Holy Spirit is essential, I don't want to do a how-to. I, I do a lot of that, and I'm for it. But I don't want to do it today. Here's what I want to do. Rather than telling you how to live in a way that the Holy Spirit is essential, 
What I want to do is tell you why the Holy Spirit is essential because if I can convince you that he's essential, my belief is that the hunger that you have for him will help you find the how. If you can, if you can, if your desire can shift, if you can see, if you can become absolutely convinced that the Holy Spirit is essential, you'll figure out how if the hunger's there. So let me give you, if you're taking notes this morning, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture if you want to write them down. Why is the Holy Spirit essential? Three reasons. Number one, the Holy Spirit helps you become like Jesus. Like one of the number one works of the Holy Spirit in the whole world for all of history is helping people become like Jesus. If you look at the life of Jesus through the New Testament, through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, if you look at the life of Jesus, here's what you're often going to find. You're often going to see glimpses of the work of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding and shaping Jesus into the Messiah. Now, you may say, wait, 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 wait. He was Jesus. He was sinless. He was perfect. Yes, he was all those things, but he wasn't born full grown. He was born as a baby. So to get from, a, from baby Messiah to full-grown Messiah, he didn't ever cross a moment of imperfection or sin, but he did have to grow. How did he know how to grow? The Holy Spirit led him. The Holy Spirit produced Messiah-like, Christ-likeness inside him, and Jesus became the full image of God because he followed the Holy Spirit perfectly. He never didn't follow. He always followed. So Jesus was shaped into the full-grown Jesus by the work of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is doing the same thing in us today. See, you and I aren't, you know, Jesus, but the Holy Spirit, when Jesus went to heaven, the Holy Spirit transferred from the person of Jesus to the body of Jesus, which is us, and is doing the same work he did in Jesus' life, and that's to make you and I like Jesus and our character. And we see a glimpse of that character, a display of that character. In Galatians 5, the Bible says, the Spirit produces the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Just leave that scripture up there for a minute. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law that says these things are wrong. Now, here's what I want you to ask you. Look at those fruits, love, joy, peace, patience. Do those look essential? Do you think you can have a good relationship with anybody? Do you think you can have a good marriage? Do you think you can have a good family? Do you think you can have a good partnership? Do you think you can have a good friendship? If you don't have love, joy, peace, patience, if you don't have those, do those look essential? I would dare say most of, if not all of the world's problems could be solved if we had more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So the character of Jesus produced in us is the goal of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is Jesus' character, and it's all produced by the Holy Spirit. So when you and I surrender to the Holy Spirit, let me say it another way, when you and I treat the Holy Spirit as an essential, then the character of Jesus naturally grows out of our life like an apple grows on an apple tree. 
You don't have to make it grow. It just grows. Why? Because it's an apple tree. That's what an apple tree does. It makes apples. That's what a person who treats the Holy Spirit like an essential does. That person, he or she, produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Why? Because that person is surrendered to the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit, that's what he does. Without the Spirit, we have no fruit of the Spirit. Without the Spirit, we have no character of Jesus. I think sometimes the Holy Spirit's the most ignored person in our life. Are you aware of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to produce the character of Jesus? Are you aware of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to produce more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness? When's the last time you acknowledged the Holy Spirit in your life? I, when when Stacy and I had been married only a few years, four or five years, she came across this book called The Mind of Christ. And it's a great book that um, centered in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And she sort of took the journey with the author in the book, and what she did is she took a chapter of the book, which the first chapter was on love, the second one was on peace, you know, kind of joy. It went down the fruit of the Spirit. But what she did is she'd read the chapter, and then she would pray the whole week. Every day that week, she'd pray about love. Lord, show me your love. Show me the love of God. Make me a more loving person. Manifest the love of God in my life. Grow the fruit of of the Spirit of love in my life. And then the second week, she'd move on to joy. And the second, then the next week, she'd move on to peace. The next week, and she took the journey through. That's nine weeks. And can I tell you something? It was such a powerful. Like I did, I was on my own devotion, but I could see the impact in her life. The Holy Spirit's essential. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. You, you, you have no fruit of the Spirit. Number two, why is the Holy Spirit essential? The Holy Spirit helps you do the things that Jesus did. So he not only helps you become like Jesus, he helps you do the things that Jesus did. What are the things that Jesus did? Acts chapter 10, 38 tells us, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power... And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So we learned two things that Jesus did. He did good. How many of you know we could stand some more of that in the world? He did good. Not This isn't complicated. And he went around healing people who were under the power of darkness. Now, you say, well, of course he did. He was Jesus. I'm not Jesus. How did he do it? Well, look at, look at Acts 10, 38 again. He, he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. So he didn't do it because he was Jesus. He did it because he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Does the Holy Spirit want to do something like that in your life and mine? Well, look at Acts 1-8. 
But when the Holy Spirit comes to you, you will receive what? what? <laughs> Power. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and every part of the world. It's the same spirit that was on Jesus and the same power that was on Jesus. Corinthians says the same power that brought Jesus back from the dead lives in you. So the Holy Spirit helps you to do the things that Jesus did. A couple of weeks ago, we were here worshiping together. We were closing a service. And... Um, and I just, as I prepared for that sermon and that service, I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me that there was, there, was, there was a moment in that service that was for a specific person. Where, where's, where's Jordan at? Jordan, there's Jordan. Okay. Jordan, you happen to be leading worship today. Uh, Jordan was leading worship, and I remember, I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit nudged me and said, today's an important day for Jordan I'm doing something powerful in his life, and I want to raise him up. You remember that? And so I turned around, and I told him that, right? And, and if, you, if you remember Jordan, now Jordan cries easy. I cry easy. I'm with you, brother. I, listen, <laughs> hey, I got nothing but love for you. You get me on the right subject, I'll just flow like a baby. I, 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 hey, there's no shame. There's no shame. But what you could tell is there was a moment of power. That was not an initiated or originated by, by me or a person. But it came from the Holy Spirit. And when it landed in his heart, it looked to... I haven't talked to... Jordan, I hadn't talked to you hardly all summer, I don't think. I don't, I don't know what's been going on in his life. I don't know. You know, I don't know. But I knew I felt prompted in that moment. And when that moment landed in his heart... It looked to me like it was confirming something that maybe you already knew or, or whatever. But that was a moment of, that was a moment. So what, G, what the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to use you to do the things that Jesus did. He wants to prompt you. And so when you feel prompted to do or to say something by the Holy Spirit and you do it or say it, watch this, it will become a powerful Good work. It will become a good work wrapped in power. That's what happens. When the Holy Spirit prompts you to do or to say something, it becomes a good work wrapped in power. Without the Holy Spirit, we don't have the good work and we don't have the power on it. It's just us bouncing around trying to fix things. <laughs> and I've done that. How many of you would rather have the Holy Spirit helping you than that? I would. So number three, why is the Holy Spirit essential? The Holy Spirit helps you to see Jesus' presence at work. Now, what I want to do, what I want to do is put some abbreviations on the screen. And, and if you're online this morning, I want to ask you to chime in on this. If you know what the top abbreviation is, why don't you just type it you know, right there uh, in the comment section? We want, we want you to be a part of it too. How many of you know what the top abbreviation stands for? How many of you know what it stands for? Okay, you're good Christians. You're good. You've been to the Christian bookstore, and you probably had the armband. And it stands for what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And so the question is intended to say, I'm in a circumstance. I don't know what to do, so I'm going to try to find the wisdom of God by pretending 
that Jesus were in my shoes. And if Jesus were in my shoes, what would he do? And if I can figure that out, then I'll know what to do. Now, here's the only problem with that. That's not much different. I mean, it's a better person, but it's not much different. So I put some, my own, I just made these up. There's no way you can get some, so don't quit trying. Okay? It's not what would God do. It's not, don't, just let it go. Let it go. You're not going to get it. But that's very similar to what if you were to say, what would Gandhi do? Or what would Muhammad do? Why is that similar? Because we're talking about Jesus like he's some revered patriarch that's not actually here. I think a better question is this last one, what is Jesus doing? Because Jesus isn't dead, he rose from the dead unlike any other religious leader that ever lived. He's alive. And if he's alive, he's present. So you don't have to talk about him like, what would Jesus do if he were here? Because everybody knows he's dead and we're separated by 2,000 years of time. Talk about him like he's in the room because he's in the room. He's present. So, so see, the Holy Spirit helps you to then see Jesus' presence. He's alive and he's present and he's moving through the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, 16 says, and I will ask, this is Jesus talking, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Anybody know who the other advocate is? It's the Holy Spirit to help you. How many of you need help? This is good news. Come on, Jesus. I need some help, right? The snow globe has been shaking. Come on, Jesus. I need some help. And, and the Bible says one of the Holy Spirit's jobs is to help. He's an advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world, listen, the world cannot accept him. They don't even know what you're talking about. They look at you like you're crazy. Because it neither sees him. Nobody sees the Holy Spirit, right? You don't see him. You don't see him. You can't see him. You can't spray dye in the air and go, oh, there he went. I just saw him. It's not like that. It's not that kind of see. But you can see his work. But wait. Not every Christian sees his work. Why? Why? If the world can't see him and doesn't know him, then why doesn't every Christian see him and know him? Because not every Christian treats the Holy Spirit as an essential. Now, if the Holy Spirit's essential, I can see his work. And I can know what kind of work that he does. But you know him, Jesus said, for he lives with you and will be in you. So Jesus left, the Father sent the Spirit, and the Spirit lives in believers. So Jesus, actually Jesus is closer to you than he was the disciples. He stood next to them. He actually lives inside you. So it's a different, it's a different thing. 
And the Holy Spirit is working trying to help us to see. But here's the problem. Here's why we don't see. The Holy Spirit is sometimes, even though he's inside of us, buried so deep below the non-essential things that we can't hear him and we can't see him because he's just suffocating under all that stuff in our life. And we're stuck saying things like, well, what would Jesus do? Rather than saying, Jesus, you are present in my life through the person of the Holy Spirit. Give me wisdom right now to know what it is you're already doing in my life before I even knew there was a problem. Like, I don't have to alert God to things. Like, here's a notification, God. I know you didn't see this. Let me pop this up on your calendar. God knew. God already knew. I'm not bringing things to his attention. I'm always trying to catch up with him. He's already been on the scene. I'm just trying to figure out what, what, what he's doing, where he's working, where he's moving. If there's, no, if there's no Holy Spirit, then there's no presence of God. If the Holy Spirit's not essential, there's no presence of God or no work of God moving in your life. How, that, you know what? That's death. That's not to be alive. Doug and Ramona Jacobs are missionaries to Nepal. They're partners of ours that we, we partner with and they work to reach people in Nepal. They work among the nomadic tribes in Nepal, out in the pasture lands and the fields. And I had the privilege of having lunch with them several years ago and we were just talking about how they do things in Nepal. You know, how does, how does it go there? And uh, so they'll, they'll raise up Christian leaders and pastors among the nomadic tribes. So a person gets saved, they get called to ministry, they start to train them. And I said, well, how do you, how do you train? He said, here's how we train them. It's very sophisticated. Are you ready for this? I'm about to train you to be a Nepali pastor in the, in the nomadic tribe system. Here it is. He said, we train them that when you enter a group, you look for the work of the Holy Spirit in that group. And then you join it. <laughs> You're trained. You look for the work of the Holy Spirit. So all across the tribal lands of Nepal, there are Christian leaders and pastors, some of who can't even read or write, who are scanning the room, scanning the, around the campfire at night, scanning around the tent, and they're looking for what is it the Holy Spirit is doing in this group of people. And when I see it, I'm going to go over there and join it. And that is an absolutely powerful thought that you and I can do. Here, let me tell you how you can apply it. When you look inside your marriage, do you ever look at your marriage and say, I wonder where the Holy Spirit is working in my marriage now? Because if you see it, you can join it. And when you join it, things will get better. You can look inside your children's life and say, I wonder where the Holy Spirit is working now. And I promise you the Holy Spirit is working in every child's life. So pray, Holy Spirit, help me see where you're working right now. Help me see what you're doing. I want to join you at work with your employer, with your employees, with your friends, at church, in the neighborhood. The Holy Spirit came and filled the whole earth. He's working everywhere. 
And if you can see his work, if you can find his work, you can join it. Listen, God's people need God's spirit. We weren't intended to do this thing alone. Ephesians 4.30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the spirit. I've heard those verses for years, and I've only heard them applied one way. I've only heard them applied to a church service. I've only heard people talk about, as, is the order of service, is the schedule too tight, is it too organized, is it too structured, is there room for the Holy Spirit to move? You know, I, that's all I've heard, that's the only way I've ever heard it applied. And I'm not against that. Usually what it is, is an evaluation of leadership. What I want to do is I want to do something more dangerous today. I want to talk about it in context of everything but the church service. Is there a place in your marriage that you're quenching the Holy Spirit? Is there something God's trying to do to produce the fruit or the power or the presence of God in your life, but you keep stuffing it down because you don't have time? Is there something God's trying to resolve in your life or to purge out of your life, but you grieve the Holy Spirit because you won't let him do it? Is there somewhere in your life, Monday through Saturday, not just in this little window at church on Sunday or online, but is there somewhere in your life right now you're grieving the Holy Spirit because you won't let him do what he wants to do in you? You quench, you mash down, you suppress. Say, no, 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 not right now. Is the Holy Spirit essential? Is he essential to you? I've, I've done my very best to make a case that the Holy Spirit is essential to every believer. Is it possible that we don't have the character of Jesus the power of Jesus and the presence of Jesus because we treat the Holy Spirit like a non-essential. You know what I think the problem is? I don't think the problem's COVID. I think this snow globe that's been shaken has hopefully just allowed us to see the problem a little better. I think the problem is we're just not very full of the Holy Spirit. That's what I think it is. That's what I think it is. I think, I think most of the problems in the whole world would get better at least, if not go away, if we were more full of the Holy Spirit. If I was more full of the Holy Spirit. This would be a better church if I was more full of the Holy Spirit. Right? So what do we do? Here we go. We're going we're to wrap it up. Acts chapter 2, 17. In the last days... God said, not Moses, not David, not me, not a prophet, not a pastor, not a leader. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days and they will prophesy. So what is this verse telling us? I will pour out, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, young, old, men, women, 
And why would he do it? The Spirit of God, and by the way, we're in the last days. This is the last days. It's been the last days since Jesus was resurrected. The last days started when the Holy Spirit came. So we've been in the last days for a long time. These are the days. They're not, not other days, not newer days. Not, nothing needs to happen in the world. We're there. So the Holy Spirit is being poured out. Why? He's being poured out so that we could see visions, so that we could dream dreams, and so that we could prophesy, and the supernatural life of God could flow through us into the world. That's why. So what do we do? I know this. We'll never be a movement of hope without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is essential. So what do we do? Here it is. If the Holy Spirit, if God's telling the truth and the Holy Spirit's being poured out on the whole world, on sons and daughters and old and young and men and women, then what do we do? All we have to do is receive. Say, God, fill me. God, when, you, when you're doing all that pouring out, please don't miss me. <laughs> Pour your spirit out on me. Fill me. So would you just stand with me this morning? If you're online, if you want to, if you can stand, maybe you're driving, I don't know, wherever you are. Man, would you just stand in your heart? <laughs> Today, would you just begin to pray and say, God, fill me. Are you open to being filled with the Holy Spirit so that the, so that the character and the power and the presence of Jesus might fill you? Would, you? would you just pray now, Jesus, fill me. Let's just stop for a minute. Let's just slow down. We've been pushing for so many months to get through all this stuff going around us. Would you just slow down, take the temperature down for a minute, and would you just let your awareness of the presence of God. Jesus is in the room. And if you're a believer, he's in your heart, and he's speaking to you now. And would you just stop and let your awareness rise and say, Jesus, fill me with the Holy Spirit from the inside of me to the outside. God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Would you ask him, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit until not only am I full, but I'm flowing over. God, fill me till I'm flowing over this morning. We need your Spirit. Come on, would you just ask him, God, fill me today. We're going to sing a song. This song has been on my playlist for about two months. As I walk and do my devotions and prayer time, I've been listening to this song. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Would you do that right now? Would you, if you're online, turn the volume up and just begin to welcome wherever you're at. I've worshiped at home a few weeks ago. I was sick and I turned the volume up and walked around my living room with my hands up. And I said, God, you're here. You're here. Come on, let's sing together this morning. And let's welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's sing together.